Hi, and welcome back to another Cliché Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Vinayak Ladd, who is an RN in a critical care unit. We are discussing the cliché, teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cindy, for having me today. Yeah, thanks for taking time out of your day. So why did you decide to go with this cliché? Well, when I first started as a registered nurse, the unit that I worked on was the medicine unit. And there were moments where we were definitely overwhelmed with all the things that we had to do. And there came a point where we all unanimously agreed on the phrase teamwork makes the dream work to kind of help motivate each other to be able to finish all the work on time and take care of our patients with the best possible care that we can give them. Yeah, I think that speaks to how much power people have when they come together and how much more efficient we can be. So has there been a change in your work environment since the pandemic? So after working on medicine for about a year, I was able to transition into the critical care unit. And when I first started in January of last year, it was still the same. Uh, Not much has changed in terms of health care. But I guess since March, when the lockdown started and we started to get more and more patients coming in with the new uh, COVID-19 virus, things definitely changed. We now had to face an opponent that we had no idea what it is, how it works on the body. And we had to use whatever information and tactics we had to try and take care of someone with that disease. So it definitely changed in that sense. But over time, since we got more information, we had more research about what medications would work best. There came a time in about June, July or so, where we had one of the drugs that we use called dexamethasone. And in simple terms, it is a drug to help reduce the extent at which your immune system reacts to an infection. How does it do that? It's essentially a synthetic form of our natural hormone that occurs in our body, and that does tend to suppress our immune system function. And what the issue was with the new virus wasn't the virus by itself. It's the fact that it's a new virus that our body does not recognize. When our body sees something new and it has no idea how to defend against it, it just goes into a self-destruct mode where, hey, I see this virus particle in this part of the body. I'm going to destroy everything within that area, regardless if it's the virus or if it's part of me. So when an infection occurs in the lungs, what happens is our body reacts in a way where it starts destroying not only the virus, but also our lung tissues. And our lung tissues is very dependent on getting enough oxygen so that we can supplied to the rest of our body. But if there's fluid present, which is essentially caused by the self-destruction, it makes it really difficult for oxygen to go through. So there's no oxygen going through, the higher the chances your other organs are going to fail and you're going to die. So in an effort to reduce the self-destruct mode that our immune system creates, we use that drug to help reduce the severity at which our immune system responds to the virus. And after making that a standard practice for any patients that came in with the new with the new infection, we did see a dramatic, like a drastic drop in in terms of the total people, total patients coming into the ICU, mm-hmm. and we were able to send many of the patients home without having the need for increased oxygen that we had to give them. So it has definitely been an interesting experience. We have seen the scientific method live in action where once we have new information we're able to put it in place and we're able to see results coming up right away oh wow i didn't know that was standard practice uh when looking at the cliche 
team and teamwork, do you think it's applicable to think of the team not only being who you work with in your department, but also just everyone in society? Because we are we do have an at stay at home order and we are trying to flatten the curve so that we do not bombard our healthcare system. The way I interpret team would be everyone. Would you agree with this? Yes, most definitely. The whole purpose, like you said, of the stay-at-home order is to flatten the curve so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. We only have so many ventilators and hospital beds and enough staff to take care of someone. And if thousands of people come into a hospital which only has a capacity of 100 people in the ICU, there comes a point where we cannot take care of them to the best of our abilities. And even for things that are preventable, that are easily treatable, that require ICU level of care, we can't take care of them. So if our hospital system is overwhelmed with the coronavirus, people will come in with heart attacks, with an accident or a stroke, which is definitely treatable or at least supportable, that won't be able to happen anymore. So you're right when you say that the team can be extended to the population that are that are around us. And if we all do our part to try to reduce the number of times we go outside the house or meet with other people, faster we can reduce the new case count and the faster we can try to go back to a new normal that we have in place. Oh my gosh, that's actually so sad. Um, I guess with the vaccine being distributed, do you see society going back to normal soon? Um, in, in a way, yes. It won't be the normal that we had before. It might be a new normal that we have to adjust our life with the coronavirus still existing. And there have been many news reports coming out of the new variations of the coronavirus. So just like the flu, the coronavirus will, in a way, produce new strains, which will have to just sort of accept it. But the whole purpose of the vaccination is to, yes, to reduce the strain that we have on everyone, that not only just the healthcare system, but also on the businesses, the retail stores, they're also struggling as well in a way. And in order for us to help support everyone that we live with, the whole population, we have to take the vaccine that we can have reduced restrictions and be able to go back to our daily routine, which involves going out to restaurants, going out to this, going out into different places, and just carrying on about our daily routine. I have spoken to a lot of people that I know and asked if they would get the vaccine. And surprisingly, a lot of people feel very unsure of whether or not they want to. They feel like it was rushed to be produced and that there hasn't been enough time to test it or at least that's what I've heard um, as a reason from some people on why they don't want to take it and I feel that if people learned how it worked then maybe they'd be more inclined to take it. I want to answer two things about that. First I'll answer the how the vaccine is made and how it's supposed to affect uh, or I guess create an immune reaction in our body. Mm-hmm. And I'll answer the second question that I'll answer later on is why it is rushed. So with the first question, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine is a vaccine that has been made with something called mRNA or messenger RNA. Before that even occurred, what certain research or pharmaceutical companies had done was they collected a sample of the virus, they broke it down and looked at the genetic code. So they wrote down exactly what sort of codes the virus uses to infect and create new copies. After they're able to create the code, they looked at, okay, which piece can we use to create a vaccine? 
And I guess the most safest option that these companies were able to choose was to take the code that codes for the spike protein. So if you look at the actual virus itself, it's a circular sort of a spherical ball with little spikes on the top or all around it. Mm -hmm. And these spikes allow for the virus to enter the host cell and go inside, dump all of its viral particles inside of the cell. Because our cell cannot differentiate between our particles and other viral particles, it just creates copies of it, which is why our cell starts creating copies of the virus material and then essentially overwhelms our body. Now, what the scientists did, they took that genetic code that produced the spike protein that's involved in the virus and said, okay, can we take this genetic code within a fatty sort of a capsule and can we make it into a very stable compound that we can inject into people and hopefully get an immune reaction sort of like a vaccine response to it? Yeah. So I, I guess they were able to find the genetic code just about in April. Then in around May-ish, they started to do their trials. Why do now, you need two doses of it? The reason for that is our body needs a refresher. Instead of having two different doses at varying times of length, they just to kind of tell the body, okay, no, we need to create more antibodies so that we can have a stronger reaction to it when, when we get infected. If I remember correctly... They compared the efficacy of single doses versus two doses, and they found that people who had gotten two doses were 95% immune to having moderate to severe reactions. And they compared it to people who only took one dose, and they found that a significantly less number of people had a milder reaction. More people had a severe reaction to it, even though they only took one shot as opposed to two. So they kind of calculated and said, okay, maybe we need two shots that we can prevent severe reactions from taking place in 95% of the people. Is it like the flu shot where you have to get it every year? Well, we, we don't know that yet. So the, the way that the flu vaccine works, that we take a dead virus, meaning it does not have the capability to reproduce. And we take that virus and we shove it inside of a vaccine and then we put it in our body. Our body is then able to say, okay, no, this is an intruder. Let me create many different types of defenses against it. That is the way that usually all the flu vaccines work. The difference between the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine is that we're taking the particles that only code for the spike protein. And once our body recognizes, no, this spike protein is, is something that's not part of us, we're going to create defenses against it. So now when the actual virus invades us, the virus has the same spike protein as did the vaccine. They're able to detect that spike protein and say, this is not part of us. We're going to destroy it. Now, to answer the second question regarding why it feels so rushed to have a vaccine come out now within less than a year is because of the global initiative of hundreds of countries and hundreds of organizations pooling all of their resources into creating a vaccine. Initially, we usually have a 10-year process, and the reason why it takes that long to come up with a vaccine before is that we, there was not enough resources such as fundings to do all these things right away. And, and even back with the other vaccines, we may not always find the right number of people, the right variation of people required for the studies. Because this big pandemic that affects everyone in the whole world, lots of people have volunteered to take part in these studies. So we have thousands of volunteers coming up in place within a week or two. With regards to why is it being set out really early, the reason for that is the earlier we can send the vaccine out to as many people as we can, the 
more we can prevent variations to take place in the virus. There has been a report that came out, I believe a couple of days ago, where a few people in Brazil had both the Brazil strain as well as the UK strain. Now, when you have two different strains of the virus, it creates a very high likelihood that the virus will mutate and create a third new strain, which may be more deadly, which may be more infectious. So in order to prevent the evolution process from occurring in the virus, we need to take the vaccine and vaccinate as many people as we can so that we don't create these situations where the virus can then mutate. What happens if, let's say, half the population is against vaccinations? Like only 15% well, of the people are... It's going to be very vaccine? difficult. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to go back to our normal, or at least a new normal in, in this case. You know, there are lots of people who are still against the vaccine it's going to take time for us to essentially create an environment where we have very few num- few cases of the new virus. I believe in many studies that were done, it showed that at least 75% of the people need to be vaccinated to achieve something called herd immunity. Mm. And herd immunity essentially means that if most people are protected against it, then the people who are at risk who cannot take the vaccine are also protected. For example, if Let's say out of a group of 100 people, if 75% of the people have taken the vaccine, and let's say you infect one person, the likelihood of you infecting someone else is drastically reduced if if 75% of the people have taken the vaccine. But if, let's say, if only 25% of the people have taken the vaccine, the likelihood of the infection still growing and going to other people is still very high. And like I said before, it creates the opportunity for the virus to still mutate and create a new strain to make itself more deadlier and kill more people. And we, and that's what we try to reduce. We want to go back to our new normal, which is why it's recommended that at least 75% of the people, or as many people as we can, take the vaccine as soon as it's available. And I heard something the other day. Actually, it's one of those headlines that pop up on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really read The article, but the article is saying how someone got COVID even though they got the vaccine. And I was like, okay, wait a second. Like, did they get it or were they exposed to it? Because that's kind of like different, right? So if they were exposed to it and then get it, doesn't that just mean it's working? Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think I remember reading the headline as well. I believe that person who took the vaccine was a healthcare worker as well. And he ended up being tested positive for the for the coronavirus a couple days later. So the whole purpose of a vaccine is to help your body fight against the virus. It doesn't mean that you are going to be immune or to never get the virus. When you get the virus, the virus particles will still be in the back of your throat, back of your nose, and inside your lungs, but your body will, will do a much better job at fighting it off and therefore protect your lungs and protect all the other organs in your body from the infection. And and if you were to follow up with that person right now, because like I said, a headline and that article was released a few weeks ago, I'm pretty sure that they probably had a very mild reaction to it, meaning that they probably did not require hospitalization, did not require ICU level of care. They would still be able to recover by themselves in their home without any sort of medical intervention. And that's what the research studies actually pointed out, was that 95% of the people who got both the doses did not have a moderate or a severe reaction to it. And they only had a mild reaction to it. While still 5% of the people who had both doses still had a moderate to severe reaction to it. 
but do you want to take your chance with having no vaccine and you possibly having a severe reaction? Or do you want to take the better chance of you taking the vaccine and you having a very mild reaction to it? It all depends on which what chances the person wants to take. And in a way, if you really think about it, many of the healthcare, healthcare workers who have have already gotten their vaccine doses. We're live examples, you know, hey, we got the vaccine. We're still doing okay. There's nothing wrong with us. We haven't grown the third arm. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to show the world that, hey, you can still take the vaccine. Everything's going to be okay. We're doing our best. Just help us help the healthcare system by not overwhelming us and take the vaccine and just do what what the science says, not what we said, but what the science says. Well, how would you respond to that, to people who say that we don't know if it has long-term side effects? That is a very good point. What I would ask them is if they have any done any research with regards to long-term side effects of having COVID. There are many articles coming out that are discussing the long-term effects of people being infected with COVID. I believe an article was released late last year which talked about the increased incidence rate of people having insomnia feeling fatigued, having depression-like symptoms. About one in third of the people who are infected with the virus are having these symptoms. Now, if you take the vaccine, yes, you may have side effects, but at this moment, there have been no reports, no reported severe side effects except for an allergic reaction, which can be treated right away. But with regards to comparing that with someone who already has COVID and they're having all these side effects, which includes insomnia, brain fog, fatigue, you know, not being like yourself. And many people are actually struggling to go back to their routine because of the fact that they can't focus anymore, right? So it all depends on, you know, which one do you want to take the chance with? Do you want to take the chance with not taking the vaccine, but hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, someone doesn't get infected with the virus. But if they do, for sure, you're going to be going through some something similar to where all these people are going through in the recovery process. Or do you want to take a chance with the vaccine, which many of us have already have, especially healthcare workers, hope that, you know, the vaccine side effects won't be severe, which with all due respect, there's nothing that has been reported anymore, except for severe allergic reactions, which is common practice with anything you inject in someone if you don't know you're allergic to something. My dad did mention something mm-hmm. about some people experiencing their face being paralyzed for a bit, like half their face. I don't know how accurate that is, but my dad likes to scare me with things. <laughs> so I, I did. I do recall an article stating something called Bell's palsy, which you have a temporary paralysis of the face. Now, during the research studies, the companies do mention that they experience that and the incidence rate, meaning the, how many number of people who got the vaccine, who experience Bell's policy compared to the number of people who got the vaccine, that incidence rate is exactly the same or something very similar to the general population who have not received the vaccine, meaning I believe about four people and about 22,000 people who got the vaccine experience Bell's policy, but it has a very similar rate to the people who haven't gotten the vaccine but are still experiencing Bell's palsy. It's not really a causative effect, meaning like, hey, if you take the vaccine, you're going to get Bell's palsy. It's not that. It's the fact that you could be doing going about your everyday life like you and me right now, and suddenly I could have facial paralysis. It just happens. Same thing with it. It was a coincidence. Like, it's not like a cause. Like, correlation is not causation. It's just... Exactly. Is, Is that temporary? Most of the cases of Bell's palsy are temporary. It just takes time for you to get back to doing everyday stuff and it goes back to normal. I have not 
seen anyone with Bell's palsy that have taken the vaccine so far in, in, in the GTA. So it's kind of hard for me to say that, hey, no, you're not going to get it. But at the same time, it's like, you may get it, but it's mostly temporary. Just talk to your doctor about it. They know how best to deal with it. Yeah. And I guess one thing to point out that would be important is um, I think people should know that the vaccine isn't a replacement for wearing a mask. Like wearing a mask is still <laughs> necessary. Yeah. And I think some people think once they get the vaccine, masks don't have to be mandatory anymore. No, unfortunately, that is far from far, far from the truth. Um, you will still have to wear the mask even if you have been vaccinated. The reason for that is even though like we as healthcare workers are vaccinated, uh, we are taking care of patients who are coming with severe infection. If we suddenly just stop wearing masks, we could become carriers and we could help spread the virus even more. And if we apply that same sort of thinking process to everyone else, like, hey, you if you choose to not wear a mask but somehow you're still infected you could take it home and give it to your parents to your grandparents who may not have had the vaccine at that time and you could actually send them to the hospital and maybe even kill them right is there anything else you've heard and you kind of want to address or want to add in um not quite yet i I think everyone everything that's been happening in the world right now we're doing our best to make sure that like especially I, I think there might be some rumors about new new medications that can be used to treat people with the virus at this point it is too early to say but i believe there will be new studies coming out uh, in a few months or so where we do research on that med- medication and see if we can apply it to different people and hopefully within a few months we have an answer to that but otherwise the only thing i do want to reiterate is that teamwork makes the dream work. The general population will need to still wear a mask, follow the guidelines that are in place by the government so that we can reduce the strain on the healthcare system and we can reduce the number of people who are being newly infected with the virus and hopefully by the end of this year and hopefully by the or at least the very you know, farther away at by the end of you know next at the beginning of next year we still have a very good chance of going back to our new routine. Or to our old routine where we can do our daily activities without being too restricted. One last, or a couple last things, actually. Yes. How do you feel when people say COVID death numbers are inflated? Is there validity to it? Do you find that whatever counts as the COVID death is, is very general or no? When people tend to say that, you know, the COVID deaths are inflated, what most people think is that they think COVID should be the only cause of death. However, if you really think about it, a heart stopping is a cause of death. People with brain injuries is a cause of death. Now, if in two different people, you have one person also has a history of diabetes, you don't say that the cause of the death is diabetes. The cause of the death is the heart attack. Now, if you were to apply that to someone who has COVID, the main problem is COVID. But if someone dies of a heart attack that's caused from COVID, they think that shouldn't count as a statistics for COVID death. But in reality, it's the COVID that caused the heart attack. So if, if you really think about what COVID does, is that it reduces the effectiveness of your body to get the oxygen in your lungs. Now, if there's less oxygen going to your heart, it cannot function, it cannot live, so it stops. That's called a heart attack, essentially. So when people confuse that COVID deaths are inflated, they think that if the cause of death 
uh, on the death certificate says anything else other than COVID, then it shouldn't be counted as COVID. But in reality, COVID can cause many issues in your bodies. COVID is the first thing that causes that, which is what you die from. Thank you so much for answering all my questions and just shedding light on this topic, taking time out of your day. And thanks mm-hmm. for being a frontline person. Thank you very much for the opportunity to allow me to, I guess, to shed some more light on this topic. I do have an Instagram page where I'm posting daily updates of my own journey through receiving the vaccine. Oh, yeah. What's your handle? So it's uh, nurse underscore Vlad, V-L-A-D. So I do talk about my current journey with receiving both the doses of the Pfizer vaccine, and I will be shedding some more light on other people and how they have reacted differently compared to me. So if any of your any of the listeners would like to take a look and maybe even ask questions that they want to ask a healthcare worker, I'll try my best to answer them. And if if I can't answer something, then I will try to guide you in the right direction. And hopefully uh, people will be able to learn more about the vaccine and hopefully we can work together to go back to our new normal.